0: This is Radio Energy
1: News. Good afternoon. This is Ian for Radio News. I'm Olita Bashko.
2: And I'm Val Brown. It's four o'clock in Edinburgh. Today's top stories.
1: The UK government mounts a mercy mission to rescue Britons out of Israel.
2: Social media is becoming harder to believe as misinformation is spreading across all platforms.
1: And coming up later in the show, an introduction to buffer z- zones for abortion clinics to ensure patient safety.
2: But first, here's a roundup of the latest news from around the globe
1: Over 1,000 people have been killed, and a further 5,000 have been injured in Gaza due to Israeli counterattacks, according to Palestinian authorities. In Israel, at least 1,200 people have been killed, and more than 2,900 others have been injured by Hamas forces. Gaza's sole power plant has run out of fuel, and the Israeli minister says that no electricity, fuel, or humanitarian aid is to be provided to Gaza until Hamas release all captives. We will bring you more on this shortly.
2: Ex-Formula One boss Bernie Eccleston has pled guilty to fraud after failing to disclose more than 400 million pounds that was being held in a trust in Singapore. The 92-year-old billionaire did not disclose his funds to the government back in 2015, resulting in him being charged with tax fraud. Just a few hours ago, he changed his previous not-guilty plea to guilty. A month before, he was due to go to trial.
1: NATO is warning of a determined response if the damage to an undersea gas pipeline between Finland and Estonia is proven to have been deliberate. During today's NATO defense meeting involving ministers from 31 different countries, two separate investigations were announced into the pipeline being sabotaged. Its operators said it would take at least five months to repair the pipeline, meaning it is unlikely to work again until April next
2: year. The Mexican Supreme Court is discussing the revival of a controversial U.S.-Mexico border policy to slow the flow of migrants heading north. The Remain in Mexico policy forces asylum seekers in the U.S. to wait out their legal proceedings in Mexico for a prolonged amount of time. The Mexican president previously accepted the arrangement and allowed thousands of asylum seekers to be sent back to the country from the U.S. So Biden ended the policy soon after taking office, with it returning once and finally being ended again in 2022. With 100 suspected cholera deaths in Zimbabwe, the Zimbabwean government has banned large gatherings in several parts of the country and increased their surveillance at entry points in an effort to contain the outbreak of the waterborne disease. Most deaths occurred in September, but with currently 5,000 possible cases spread, spread throughout 41 districts, authorities are growing increasingly concerned for a repeat of the 2008 cholera epidemic that killed 4,000 people. Scotland faced Spain in Seville later today in their seventh qualifier match for Euro 2024. When the two teams met at Hampton Park in Glasgow in March, the Scots came out on top, winning 2-0 with Scott McTominay, scoring twice. Scotland led the group with 15 points, with Spain currently sitting on 9 points, having played one game less. We'll have a full report on this later in the programme.
1: The Israeli government is under intense public pressure after Hamas militants stormed the border on Saturday, resulting in a catastrophic death toll. Hostages were taken by the Hamas militants, who the Israeli government are still trying to identify. The war, which has claimed more than 2,400 lives on both sides, is expected to escalate. Our correspondent Hedayah Mohammed has more.
3: Explosions rumbled through the nights, and families retrieve what they can between the debris in Gaza. This comes after Hamas' attack on Israel this past Saturday. The Israeli-Palestinian tension has claimed tens of thousands of lives, with the death toll rising each day and displacing many from their homes. Countries all around the world take the streets to protest. Edinburgh's Scottish Palestine Solidarity Campaign calls for solidarity at a peaceful protest outside of Edinburgh Sheriff Court.
2: It's
3: a
4: peaceful uh, campaign. The boycott, divestment, and sanctions to isolate the countries are, are functioning against the international wo- uh, international law, um, so impose sanctions on Israel, boycott its products and uh, uh, divest from any trade deals. So we try and use this peaceful measure to force the Israeli government to change its course and to accept you know, a peaceful resolution to the
3: situation and, 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 and to end occupation of the occupied Israel has vowed a full blockade of power, water, food supplies and humanitarian aid as it continues to strike targets within the enclave. Write to your MPs, keep
4: knocking their door, keep telling them they need to represent your opinion in Westminster to push and um, pressurize this um, conservative government that is that sees it one way and no way and no other way so it's we are trying our small small contribution raising the awareness on social media organizing demonstrations getting support Nobody nobody doesn't know anything
5: now. The
4: the, the, the information is out there. You just need to know where to look. And nobody is, I keep saying this, nobody is stupid and nobody is an idiot. Everything is clear.
3: The just cause is clear. The occupation is clear. The campaign is also urging the general public to beware of fake news that is spreading deliberately about the war and the Israel-Palestine conflict.
1: After Israel's declaration of war, photographs and videos of violence floated onto social media. Some of the images were posted by victims on the grounds at the attacks. Others were reportedly seeded by Hamas, but others were years old, taken from conflict zones in other parts of the world. For the average internet user, knowing what information to trust online has never been more challenging.
2: Our reporter Matthew Henderson joins us to discuss what he's seen on social media.
6: Just been taking a look through uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, recently, and um, mm. one thing I found is I um, a Greek Orthodox church was reported to been destroyed, and this was shared by verified Twitter accounts. Um, but in actual fact, the church is fine. They um, they came out and said that the church had not been attacked. So that's just one of the, one example. Another thing would be. People were sharing videos of a new air assault by Hamas, them firing some unguided rockets and things like that. But in actual fact, it was just a recording from the video game Armor Free*. <laughs> um, so yeah, it it, it just shows how, how easy it is to to fake that sort of thing, but not necessarily fake it. Just like people gen- sharing things genuinely not knowing that mm. it's real. So yeah, it just it, it just shows how dangerous social media can really be. Absolutely. Now, Matthew's been
2: out and about throughout the city to get people's opinions on the situation. Here are some clips.
6: Probably get the
7: majority of news from social media or online, so I use uh, like Reddit. So I get a lot of information from people I know and from sources I trust on the
8: internet. Trust more what I probably get from like Channel Four or something because I know they're like a trusted um, broadcast. Um, But yeah,
7: anyone can post anything. It's all for it's all for likes. It's all for views. Hmm. Yeah.
6: I also spoke to Herald columnist Sean McGill to get a professional opinion on the conflict and the use of social media. Here's what you he had to say.
7: Yeah, it's tough. And it's it's been made more tough by, you know, Elon Musk's ownership of, of Twitter and the sort of uh, scaling back of the, the verified platforms, which makes it very difficult for people. I think, you know, it can be sort of attractive to young people in particular to have their stance out there on social media. I wrote about that. In the column that is about sort of showing your solidarity with with movements, but doing so in an Instagram graphic that can be very reductive to such a nuanced and historic conflict perhaps isn't the most useful way to spend your time.
2: Hollywood have introduced a bill that will bring a stop to protesting outside abortion clinics. This allows them to create buffer zones, which allows safer access into these clinics. It is set to receive wide support within the government. Our reporter, Chloe Duffy, Spoke with Labour MSP Katie Clark and Green Party MSP Maggie Chapman to find out more.
9: A bill designed to end pro-life vigils and protests outside healthcare facilities where abortions are performed was lodged in the Scottish Parliament last week. Scottish Green MSP Gillian Mackay has submitted the proposal and the first vote is expected later in the month. Despite the success of getting the bill lodged, it has taken a long time to get here and the government has come under heavy scrutiny from opposition and pro-choice groups like Back Off Scotland when they disbanded the Safe Access Working Group in May. I spoke to Katie Clark, Labour MSP for West Scotland, about the government's response to this issue and if it could have been quicker.
3: I think the existing criminal law could be used to a far greater extent um than is currently being used and I've been making representations to that effect. But what we know is that already there's legislation in the rest of the UK to create safe buffer zones. And my view is that legislation should also be enacted in Scotland. I frankly do not understand why this legislation has being brought forward as a member's bill um, which is taking a huge amount of time a number of years when it could be dealt with in another way so that that's my view
9: now it has finally been lodged however the bill has received a vast amount of cr- cross-party support i talked to scottish green msp maggie chapman from aberdeenshire while on why the bill is needed
5: and basically, what 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 they what this legislation will seek to do is to create an area outside uh, health facilities where women and others might be going to get reproductive uh, support, and where women may indeed be going to to get an an abortion. It's to provide a, an area where people who are
9: um, anti-abortion cannot be. She added that the bill was able to get such wide support because it was fundamentally seen as an issue of reproductive health that people should be free to access without harassment and
5: fundamentally it's an issue of reproductive rights and reproductive healthcare for women to decide not not you know not to be harassed not to be uh, threatened as as they seek healthcare
1: Preparations are underway ahead of the World Mixed Curling Championships in Aberdeen. Our sports correspondent Carla Hallett has been brushing up on her curling ahead of this weekend's tournament. It's become somewhat of a tradition for Scotland
10: to host the World Mix Curling Championships in recent years. The city of Aberdeen has found itself hosting the event five times since the competition replaced the European Mixed Curling Championships in 2015. After speaking to former Olympic silver medalist Scott Andrews, I learnt more about the sport and the importance of this weekend to both Andrews and the new up-and-comers.
7: It's a, it's a chance to represent your country, um, regardless of um, what world championships it uh, is that. A world championships after all, so um, for the athletes, it's a, a huge honour for them, and they'll they'll be hoping to do Scotland proud, and obviously they will hoping to come home with a medal.
10: Andrews then spoke to me about how people get involved and the dynamics behind the game.
7: It's it's a good team uh, team event. It's quite sociable. Um, for it's one of these sports that you can do from a very young age. Like I started when I was seven or eight, and Um, I think the oldest member we currently have within Scottish curling is over 90. And all curlers can play at the same time. So you could be playing um, with Olympians, you could be playing with world champions. And I think that's what makes our sport so great.
10: As well as sharing his experience as a former sportsman, he gives us his perspective as manager of the Scottish Curling Association on Jack Strawhorn, a future prospect, potential future Olympian, and this weekend's first skip for Scotland.
7: Obviously, Jack um, is one of our National Academy athletes. He's a skip of his team and he's uh, going to be a skip this week in Aberdeen. So he has a lot of potential, a lot of confidence. Um, He's a great shot maker and he's probably the right person to be leading the team into Aberdeen. So I'm hoping that he'll uh, thrive in this pressure and enjoy the experience.
10: Again, an exciting weekend for curlers across Scotland and Winter Olympic followers. This is
1: Carla Hallett for Ian 4 News. Coming up next.
2: Creative Scotland faces multi-million pound cuts.
1: Debates over speed limits in Edinburgh shift into a new year following limit reductions.
2: Brands across the country show support for Breast Cancer Awareness Month.
1: Scotland's men's national team are on the brink of infamy as Spain seek vengeance.
2: And now the travel and weather. This is Radio Energy Travel. There's queues on the Edinburgh City Bypass westbound towards Sheriff Hall Roundabout. Braid Road southbound is closed to due to long-term roadworks between Braid Crescent and a Hermitage Drive, increasing travel time around Morningside. Now, the weather
8: on Radio Energy.
1: Tonight we'll see clear spells over Glasgow and the West, but cloud may well spread in from the southwest. Edinburgh is expected to see temperatures reaching highs of 12 degrees and lows of 8 and is looking to avoid light showers. 6.6
2: 6 million pounds is set to be cut from Creative Scotland. Uproar has been caused following the decision from the Scottish Government. Hugh Sloan steps into the stage lights to voice the concerns of the Creative Arts community.
8: Art campaigners in Scotland are calling on the Scottish government to scrap its plans to reimpose a 6.6 million pound cut to the arts funding body Creative Scotland. The government confirmed earlier this year in its autumn budget that a 10% cut in funding would be reintroduced for 2023 to 2024. The cuts were originally dropped in February after a successful campaign by the Scottish arts sector. However, Creative Scotland shared that while they welcomed the Scottish Government's decision in February to reverse the cuts, it should be noted that the £6.6 million cut has not yet been reinstated in Creative Scotland's budget. Creative Scotland is responsible for partial or full funding for 119 art organisations, including The Collective, here in Edinburgh, but as well as Bonjour in Glasgow. We spoke with Tatenda, a board member from Bonjour, to see how the cuts have affected the venue.
6: I mean, it's going to mean a lot. It's going to mean that, one, the doors can stay open. That's first and foremost. And it means it takes, it takes the pressure off of all of us as well if we know that this kind of guaranteed income coming. Uh, that means we can provide like the service that we actually want to. Um, it means uh, different groups that use this space, like... Rainbow Ukes. Rainbow Ukes will have a space that they can... Um, they can continue to to function all the different kinds of things that we do you know body
8: modeling the campaign for the arts has launched a petition calling on the scottish government to reinstate the funding the scottish government has confirmed that the funding will resume next year however this year it has led to much uncertainty for the scottish arts sector a sector which has already faced much uncertainty after the pandemic
1: Edinburgh council have proposed new plans for a reduced speed limit in more areas A divide has been caused in the community following the introduction of the 20 miles per hour speed limit on additional roads. Our reporter Charlotte Foreman brings us more.
5: We spoke to City Transport Convener, Councillor Scott Arthur, on the issue. The plans were put to the public for feedback, and results showed 57.7% of the questionnaire respondents and 31% of those surveyed for the market research thought that there should be no increase to the number of streets in Edinburgh reduced to a 20mph speed limit. Lothian buses have expressed concerns about the impact that the plans could potentially have on bus journey times. We reached out to Lothian buses, however did not receive a comment. At the moment, around 86% of roads in Edinburgh are at a 20mph speed limit, and these proposed plans would increase this to 90%. As it currently stands, public support from the people of Edinburgh remains divided. Citizens of Edinburgh are divided over the proposed plans to reduce the speed limit to 20 miles per hour on more streets across the city. Some streets that could see the lowered speed limit include London Road, Ferry Road, Portobello Road and Collington Road.
2: Sorry for that technical difficulty. Uh, now on to the sports. Scotland have the chance to qualify for a second successive European Championship. They just need a draw in Seville. The team in their way? as Spain sighed out for revenge six months after losing 2-0 at Hampton. For more on this huge fixture, here's Callum Muldoon.
11: March 28th was a day to remember for the Tartan army. The Scots marched into Hampton and conquered the former world champion Spain in a dominant fashion. This made our pessimistic fan base dream again as they would sail to the top of Group A and remain there to this day unbeaten. Today, Scotland could do it again, this time in Seville, and this would mean so much more. Not only ending Spain's 24-game unbeaten run at home, but a win or a draw would secure qualification for next year's Euros in Germany. However, Gordon Schiach of the Scotland fan media page The Tartan Scarf warned the Tartan Army that the Spanish will be out for revenge. Yes, 100%. Of course they will. Because we made them look very, very silly in in March at Hampden. They've just come off the back of a fairly disappointing World Cup by by, by their standards. you know. They're, they're certainly not the Spain team that they were back when we played them back, when they were undoubtedly one of the best international teams in the history of world football. While the Scotland camp are ambitious ahead of this key match, the threat of Spain is still very real, despite our victory against them at Hampden. Luis de la Fuente's side have scored 13 goals in two games and will be looking to continue their efforts of regaining their confidence following that defeat to the Scots. Scotland will be without the likes of Kieran Tierney, Ryan Jack, and Kevin Nisbet ahead of this match, but confidence remains high. Fans across the country will be looking to make it a second success of Euros, and Gordon reflected on just how big this match is for Scotland. It would be it would be quite incredible. I mean look, like I've I've I grew up through the era of glorious failure, and I think the fan base now. They have closed the door on that Euro of glorious failure. There is now an expectation on this team that they will go out and achieve success. While Scotland will be facing a hungry spatter side, tonight could bring to a close a bleak chapter in their history as Scotland fans look to the horizon and look at a potential Euro 2024 spot. Callum Muldoon, EN4 News.
1: Here is Callum Macaulay with the latest sports news.
12: Elsewhere in Group A, Norway have travelled to Cyprus as they look to get their qualification chances back on track. Anything but a win for the Norwegians tonight and the Tartan army will be on their way to Germany next summer for the European Championships, regardless of Scotland's result against Spain. But Scotland's international matches don't stop there. The under-21 side face Hungary at Fir Park tomorrow night in their second qualifying match for the 2025 European Championships. Hearts Alex Lowry spoke ahead of the game where he was questioned on his perceived arrogance.
8: Yeah, I get that sometimes. Um, one of my coaches at Rangers, Brian Gilmore, he used to always be on to me about perception, like the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I conduct myself run about the place. That's always been something that I've put first. I've always tried to make sure I conduct myself properly, um, speak to people the way they would want to speak to me.
12: The Youth Football Association in Scotland has launched a new partnership with charity group Time for Exclusive Education. The programme will include workshops for grassroots volunteers and players to tackle an increase in homophobic incidents at football matches across the country. Xander Murray, who became the first Scottish footballer to come out as gay last September, will talk about his experiences and help attendees understand how impactful homophobic language can be. Out with the footballing world now, Andy Murray is withdrawn from next week's Japan Open with an injury. It comes after a tough start in the Asian swing, where the Scot won just one of his four matches across the Zohai Championships, China Open and the Shanghai Masters. Murray hopes to be back in time to play the Swiss indoors in Basel later this month. Moving on to Rugby now, and the Scottish women's team have travelled to South Africa to play in the inaugural WXV competition tomorrow evening. The Scots find themselves in Group 2 alongside Italy, Japan, Samoa, South Africa and the USA, with the squad aiming for victory to kick off the competition in style. And now,
2: this month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and charities are encouraging the public to wear pink. As well as this, many brands across the country are drawing pink on their labelling. Tommy Hondras is on the scene
0: to see what the purpose of PINK is. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The annual campaign increases awareness of breast cancer and encourages prevention through early detection and treatment. There are over 55,000 new breast cancer cases in the UK every year with around 5,000 of those being in Scotland. Cancer research charity worker Neil Morrison emphasised the importance of the month is important in cancer research because, um, obviously, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, it's also Stand Up to Cancer Month, so it's two major campaigns that we run during the month. Neil also talked about how October is a crucial fundraising month for the illness. They can come into the shop, they can buy our branded um, products, um, they can make cash donations, um, any cash donations made during the month specifically go for the campaign that's following that month. It's not just cancer research raising awareness this October. ASDA's Tickled Pink campaign means sales of items in pink packaging from brands including Diet Coke, Fiber One, Heinz and Warburton's will help to raise funds for charity partners Breast Cancer Now and Coppa Feel. ASDA Chief Commercial Officer Chris Comerford said it's set to be the biggest year ever with over 200 pink products available. It's important to remember that breast cancer doesn't discriminate. The quicker the cancer is found, the more successful the treatment is likely to be. So, check your breasts. It could make all the difference.
1: And that's all we have time for today. From me and Val at Ian for News, thank you for listening.
8: This is Radio Energy News.